0: Welcome to Testify It, where we are sharing the love of Christ and building people up through testimonies and teaching. Our passion is to share how God is working through people's lives today. My name is Christopher Wagner, and I am a founder and board member at Testify It. In this series, we are working in partnership with Peace Ministries, a biblical counseling and teaching ministry whose founders have been in ministry for over 50 years. Today we have a fantastic testimony from Bruce Fowler, who is both a board member at Testify It and a founder of Peace Ministries. He shares a story from his past in ministry and how the faith of someone who truly believes God's word can function in the same power as Jesus himself, even as a new disciple. Hi, I'm Bruce Fowler and I wanted to tell you something that happened quite a
1: few years ago. Um, I've mentioned this story about a Panchito being raised from the dead, but I, it happened almost like another world away, and I wanted to share it with you. Back in 1972 to 84, 1984, somewhere around there, in the mid-70s, Judy and I were missionaries in Puerto Rico, and we went there, to teach pastoral counseling and New Testament to the missionary students at International Christian University in San Juan, Puerto Rico. So I started using the prisons there in Puerto Rico as a, a place for my counseling students to practice counseling, to train and use their counseling skills. And after a while, some of the prison administrators begin to see some changes in the prisoners who came under Jesus's influence. Um, and so the Administration of Corrections asked me to set up a, uh, like a chaplaincy system and to appoint chaplains in all the prisons. Well, there's about uh, 20, 22 prisons with uh, prison camps there in Puerto Rico. And they assigned me an office downtown and even a prisoner secretary in the main big penitentiary there they call El Oso Blanco, which means the white bear. Now El Oso Blanco, the big huge prison with about 3,000 really hardened uh, prisoners that were gonna be there all the rest of their life, very smelly, this prison had the reputation of having uh, the the highest inmate murder record of any prison in the world and it turns out that allowing the prisoners to kill each other, it seemed turned out to be the easiest and cheapest way for the the guards to lower the prison population. It works. But what happened was that it also turned out to be quite a scary environment for the prisoners who developed a a, a kill or be killed defensiveness. It was really scary. And, and I guess maybe that's also why a lot of them turned to the Lord when they heard us talk to them about them. Now, not everybody was thrilled with uh, my coming in to El Oso Blanco to, sell, to, uh, to, to teach about Jesus. There was also a thriving church of Satan in the prison there. And that church of Satan was endorsed by quite a few of the top officers of the guard. So, when the members of the satanic church saw that we were coming in and proclaiming Christ's power against all that they were doing there in the prison, they looked for a way to, uh, what's the nice way to say this, they looked for a way to shut us down. They knew the spiritual power and they knew that it was really who I was talking about, Jesus, who had more power than their god, Satan. You know what? They, they knew and recognized Jesus Christ and sensed him immediately as their enemy. Oh, oh, that Christians would give him that much respect. Well, one of the primary lessons I learned about spiritual warfare was that Christians don't need to go and attack Satan or his work. He will attack us. Well, and that's just what he did. Things got kind of scary. I learned little by little that Christians need to just relax. And follow the Holy Spirit's wisdom in using Satan's attack against him. So I, I, I begin also to learn to cover myself with a lot of scriptures about the Lord is my defense of my life. Whom shall I fear? In, in Psalms and you, O oh Lord, are the shield about me, and I won't be afraid of ten thousands of people. That's uh, what Psalms three. I won't be afraid of ten thousand people who set themselves against me. You know what? That's that's not just fancy poetry either. Either we can really depend on those promises of God or, or we're dead. Well they kept trying to keep me out and make sure I didn't come in and somehow the church backed me up and prayed and we went through all the satanic forces to shut down our ministry and even destroy me personally They tried to kill me several times but a couple of non-Christian guards finally arranged to have one of the satanic priests in the satanic church there, to have one of their satanic priests to be assigned to me as my secretary for my designated ministry. Oh my goodness, I thought, okay Lord, what am I supposed to do with this one? And I waited, I didn't hear any answer, and I said, okay, how am I supposed to minister with a satanic priest assigned to me, following me around every day? He didn't seem to say much, and what I learned was that if you pray something and you don't seem to get a specific answer, just go ahead with what he told you to do last. Which I I guess that meant I was just to keep on talking to prisoners about Jesus, like I had been doing. Well, then I thought, you know, that's especially true now that I have my own personal satanic priest assigned to me, as Satan's chap, as Satan's as as the chap secretary. There, I got it. What better place to start evangelizing than with this guy that followed me around all day, that needed to hear the gospel. So, I just shut down all the ministry except for just talking to this guy Felix. Felix, sorry. we'll call him Felix, that's how we pronounce it in English. So, I did nothing but just talk about Jesus with Felix. And one of the best things about evangelism, I learned also, is that it's not just sharing the gospel, it's just listening. So I said, Felix, why did you become a satanic priest? What's why are you such a follower of Satan? And what he told me is that he was really interested in power and influence. He wanted real, raw, invincible, overwhelming authority and and you know, mighty superiority. They have a they the the Satanists have an incredible Spiritual hunger for the real deal. Alright, think about that. That's, that's actually an easy sell for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Omnipotent One. He's the one who said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. In heaven and earth. So as we talked about where real power came from, even Satan's power, what happened with Felix is that he, within a week or so, he became a sold-out, born-again Christian. I mean, this guy soaked up Scripture like a thirsty sponge, and actually what happened is he fell deeply in love with Jesus Christ, the Almighty One. When I saw how easily Felix, how, how, how easy it was for um, Felix to lead others to Christ... I released him to spend his day just talking to his fellow inmates about Jesus. I, I, I guess they would have done that whether I released him to or not. That's just what he was going to do. Uh, I mean this guy ate, drank, slept, breathed, talked, laughed. Jesus Christ that was all he could talk about. And he'd get out, hold of all his satanic uh, church guys and say, hey man, listen to where real power is. So often I, I'd be up in the office teaching the Bible to a group of six or seven guys and pretty soon Felix would knock on the door and bring in a couple of more guys and say, I was sharing the gospel with these guys and they received Jesus as the Lord just like I did. Can, can they join your Bible study too? So we, we scooted our chairs back and they they sat down with some of the rest of them. We studied the Bible together and about an hour or so later he'd bring in a couple of more guys he had led to the Lord. And and a few more minutes he led a cup for a few more guys after that. I mean every day. Felix would win several guys to the Lord. I mean, this guy was was a, a, an evangelistic machine. He, he was anointed with an evangelistic spirit like I've never seen before. In a few days, I guess, he brought dozens of new Christians to join our Bible study. Well, one day, Felix came into my office just shaking and, 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 and distressed. I mean, it, it looked like he was crying. He was just obviously... Troubled deeply about something, and I said, oh, F- "Felix, what's wrong?" And he couldn't even hardly talk to me, and he didn't want to share, and he would just sat there shaking. And after some prodding, he confessed he had this great sin to confess. Oh, okay. What is it, Felix? I said. I, you know, Jesus's blood can cleanse any sin, no matter how grievous. Did you get back into the satanic stuff? Did you, well, it's all right. Jesus' blood cleanses you. What happened? He said, oh, oh Brother Bruce, it's worse than you think. I, I, I just read in Matthew that we're supposed to make disciples. And, and you know what, Bruce? I, I, I haven't been doing that. You know, all these guys I've been leading uh, been te- leading to Jesus, I haven't really made a disciple about out of any of them. I mean, I've been, I've been telling about Jesus, but I haven't even taught one of them how to teach or preach. All I've been doing is evangelism. I'm not making disciples. You know, I thought, you know, that's interesting that here he is, maybe two weeks old in the Lord, and he already knows the difference. I thought, uh, and he says, oh, I'm such a failure as a Christian. <laughs> I almost couldn't help but laugh. I said, oh, my. I mean, I didn't say this. I was thinking this. I, I, I think here is a guy that has been a Christian for what, maybe several weeks, three weeks, almost a month now, and you haven't started your own seminary already? What's the matter with you? Such a slacker. Uh, Now, I didn't say that, but that's sort of what I was thinking. I mean, all the people that are hearing this that have been a Christian more than a month, I'm sure you probably all have taught people how to teach and preach and started your own seminary, haven't you? Anyway, so what I suggested to him was that, okay, well, perhaps he, he needed to follow the Lord's leading and start with a few of his most eager converts and start discipling them. He said, yeah, 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 that's what I need to do. And so he chose four or five guys to uh, that he had led to Jesus to sort of train them and show them how to teach and to preach. And uh, so that afternoon uh, I went to the guards and we got permission for Felix to take a few of these new Christians with him into the Probably the worst section in the prison, section D3, the forensic section of the prison, filled mostly with the crazy guys where the hardest criminals are housed. And uh, his, his plan was simply to, to stand there and to preach and to minister among them to show these guys, how his disciples, how to do it. But first he brought all the five or six guys up to my office and uh, we prayed over them and uh, sent them out for their first uh, missionary training experience. Anyway, Felix went up to section D3 and later came back and described what had happened up there. What he says, I, he said, I stood in one corner of this crowded dormitory room. Now, you, you, it's hard to imagine this room. It's uh, 50 people were in it, and there's hardly enough room for 50 people to stand in it, much less lay down. There's not room for bunks, or, or, or there's not even a toilet or a sink in there. There's just room for 50 sweaty, loud, angry bodies to lay side by side on the floor. So anyway, he's standing in one corner, Um, with all his new Christian brothers lined up in a sermon circle behind him to learn how to do this. So he started out preaching. He he opened the book to Matthew 10, uh, verse 8, which is, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Now, most of these 50 guys were lying on mats on the floor, ignoring him, reading, sleeping, playing cards, rocking and moaning their own delusional fantasies, but Here was Felix, a man under orders. He just kept on preaching. Um, Then, in his spirit, right in the middle of a sentence, Felix heard the Lord say, Stop! Be quiet, Felix! So, (laughs) poor guy, not knowing any better than to simply trust the Lord, um, he just stopped and waited for further orders. You know how, how when you're hearing a noise like white background noise, you don't even really hear it until it suddenly stops? Now that's what happened. The the dormitory all of a sudden became very quiet. All these guys in the room just riveted their attention onto Felix, and and so the Holy Spirit began to direct Felix in his spirit to say, go minister to Panchito. Now everybody knew who Panchito was. He was the old uh, kind of a granddaddy of crime among all the guys that lived in that section. He, He was probably 83, 84 years old, something like that. He was an old reprobate with a a dirty mind and a filthy mouth. He couldn't even get close to this dude with the Bible. He was usually hobbling around with a cane, tobacco, cursing at everybody who came close to him. He wouldn't even let me close to him. I'd never talked to the guy. Anyway, Felix wandered around through the maze of mats until he found Panchito lying there on, on the other side of the room. His eyes were closed. He was sitting, lying very still on the mat. So Felix just shook him a bit to wake him up and found him cold and very stiff. He'd obviously been dead for some I don't know how long it takes for a, a body to get stiff and cold I, I guess several hours, but he had been dead since early that morning. So Felix called to his companions he brought in the into D3 there. he said, "Come on brothers, uh, Panchito here has a seems to have a bit of a problem. looks like uh, maybe he needs some ministry." <laughs> Uh, now, everybody in that section, including the new guys he brought in, everybody knew that Ponchito really was dead. Um, it's now after one in the afternoon, and he'd been dead since early that morning. The, the code in this prison is not to alert the guards to anybody that dies in order to not get implicated. So all the prisoners there in D3 had just let him lie there, hoping the guards would happen to discover him. Well, the <laughs> the men that came in with Felix were not real sure they wanted to get implicated and they didn't, didn't want to look like fools going over to try to minister to some dead body. And they said, oh, go ahead, Felix, you, we'll pray for you. We'll, we'll support you. You, you. you go ahead, we'll support you from over here. So Felix just said, okay. Uh, so he put his hand on Pontito's arm and he started to pray for him. Now, in a moment, he noticed that there was warmth where his hand rested he thought, well, maybe that's my hand. So he, he changed his hand to the other arm and he he found his other arm to be warm as well. And pretty soon he felt a little movement in the arm. And after a bit, Panchito opened his eyes and and with sort of an amazed, actually kind of a terrified look, he he rolled over and, and he actually sat up. And Felix wasn't terribly surprised at that, but he said, Panchito! God is, has called you back from the dead so that you can repent of your sin. Or will you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and get right with Him? Now, I never did exactly hear what Panchito had been experiencing, but he said, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. He was almost in a panic. He, he wanted to do exactly what, G, what um, Felix had suggested. And so he tried to pray and his mouth was real stiff. He couldn't talk for it. I, I guess he had Rigor mortis. You know, well, you you probably know what it's like to have rigor mortis. Have you ever had rigor mortis? It's I guess it's kind of hard to talk when you're after you've been dead for a while. So uh, Felix Felix um, sort of prayed for him and he suggested what he should pray. So he repeated after Felix a a kind of a simple prayer of repentance and commitment. All, all this is happening in Spanish, of course. And he so Panchita started to confess his sins, not not vague generalities like we do, but he got really graphic, really very specific uh, guilt-releasing admission of horrible things that he'd done in his life and, and people that he'd harmed. And he, he was just shaking as he was talking about things that he'd done to people and how they felt. And That yeah, took a while. I mean, this guy had been a criminal. I mean, here he is, 83, 84. He'd been a criminal all his life. He'd gotten pretty skillful at this sinning business. Well, Pretty soon, all, all 50 of the men saw what was going on, and they kind of gathered around wide-eyed, watching, listening, hardly believing what they were perceiving, and they, they all started to, to talk to him, and he was talking back, and as he was confessing their sins, one of these guys said, um, hey, hey, Panchito, you stole my socks a few days ago, didn't you? You know." And the reason I know that is this this particular guy came up and told me that himself a few days later. He said, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. And he was telling me from his perspective, watching Panchito being raised from the dead. He says, I, I was the one that told him about he stole my socks. Anyway, I guess it's easier to confess someone else's sins than your own. But So that's what, uh, that's what uh, Panchito did. He said, yeah, yeah, okay, Lord, add that too. I, I want to make everything right. So he chatted for a while until Panchito kind of began to feel tired, I, I guess recovering from a bad case of, Rigor mortis can be kind of exhausting. So he laid back onto his mat and kind of with this big grin on his face, he let out a big sigh (sighs) and uh, uh, apparently died again. Now everybody in the room, even the formerly fearful Christians, everybody wanted to now pray for Panchito, even the non-Christians watching this. They, they prayed, they clapped. I don't know if you've ever seen Puerto Ricans pray. they I mean, they get into this. They danced, they clap they started shouting, and, and they raised their hands and their voices, but Ponchito just lay there, kind of expressionless and sort of peaceful with his big grin on his face, or kind of a grin, peaceful look. Well, pretty soon the, the guards heard all the noise and came in to find out what was going on there in D3. And they found the center of all the attention P, Panchito's uh, now dead again body. And they hauled the body off to the hospital infirmary where I found out later that the physician on duty that day, Dr. Jorge Crespo, he and I have talked quite a few times. He doesn't particularly like Christians, but he was a good doctor. He, This physician examined the body and found it certainly dead enough to certify that officially he was dead. So he signed the death certificate. Anyway, uh, since the vehicle that usually is used to take the bodies to the morgue uh, was currently in use, I guess they'd had another couple of stabbings and deaths that day. And so the vehicle they usually take the bodies to the morgue with was gone. They just left Panchito's body lying in the prison infirmary. And later that afternoon, Dr. Crespo apparently forgot about him and went home for the evening. Well, Meanwhile, Felix and his other few ministry companions came back up to my office where we were still having a Bible study and we're praying for him and for each other. And we said, Hey, how did things go up in D3, Felix? And he said, eh, I went okay, I guess. I was preaching on Matthew 10. Man, that's quite a verse. And some guys got saved, and there was a guy that was raised from the dead. And yeah, we had a pretty good session. How did things go here? <laughs> I said, uh, excuse me, run that by me again? Did you say, there was a guy, what did you say, raised from the dead? He said, well, yeah. I mean, here was poor Felix. He just assumed that Christians don't have funerals. Why would we need to? He assumed that all of us, because we're Christians, believe Matthew 10.8. Heal the sick, raise the dead. It would seem pretty normal to heal the sick and raise the dead. Why would anyone question that? Why would anyone need a, a funeral? Hey, the Bible seems pretty clear on that issue. Well, so the Christians then, including Felix, uh, that evening decided to go back uh, into the section where they lived. They decided to pray and fast and worship all night to prepare themselves to go back into that same section, D3, the next day to, uh, to evangelize the guys who had witnessed this miracle after we finally did convince Felix that it really was a miracle that that didn't happen all the time, uh, which was a surprise to him. Um, early the next morning when the, the guards opened the gates to that section, D3, um, the, this evangelistic team found not only some, <laughs> some pretty excited guys, they found Panchito alive and well and praising the Lord. You know, what had happened was that in the middle of the night, While the Christians were praying for that section that they were going to go into, the Lord had again raised up Panchito to life after Dr. Crespo had signed the death certificate. And so here he was, the guards found him, Panchito, in the middle of the night, wandering around the infirmary, and asked him what he's doing there. Hey, prisoners aren't supposed to be in here. Uh, Panchito wasn't really sure why he was there. I mean, think about this. He was he was dead when they brought him in. And so he didn't know exactly why he was there. So the guards brought him back to his section where Felix and the other Christians found him the next morning. Now, Felix saw Panchito running toward him. When they opened the gate, here was Panchito running. First time anybody ever saw Panchito run. He's probably five foot four and just about that tall Around as well. I mean, this guy, eighty-some-year-old guy, he wasn't didn't look like a track star. But so here was Panchito when he saw Felix running toward Felix, who was much bigger than him, and little old Panchito picked up Felix and he swung him around excitedly and he shouted, "Jesus me aceptó, Jesus me aceptó," meaning uh, Jesus accepted me, Jesus accepted me. Think about that. Usually, usually we put that the other way around. Have you accepted Jesus? Kind of like we're doing Jesus some big favor by accepting him as Lord. Here's Panchito, never been in a church in his life. He'd never heard that phrase about accepting Jesus. He just knew inherently that whose acceptability it was that was in question here. So he was excited that Jesus would accept him as a sinner. What an evangelistic team Felix and Panchito made in that prison. Um, now I saw I can't remember what day that was but a couple of days later not not even a week later I I was watching and I saw Panchito jogging around the track in the prison compound I mean he, before you'd see him shuffling along with a cane sh- spitting tobacco and spouting curses here he was jogging around the track in the prison. Looking like a uh, like a teenager with a new girlfriend. I mean, no cane, no limp, no scowl, no 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 tobacco, no cursing. He was just praising Jesus. And so I greeted him. Hi, Panchito. How are you doing? ¿Cómo estás, Panchito? ¿Cómo estás? And the answer was always consistent with Panchito. He said, "Con Jesús todo." With Jesus, it's everything. Without Jesus, there's nothing. Hey, with Jesus, it's perfect, man. Now. I thought about this, and a lot of people have asked me, why why don't we see miracles like this happen regularly in the prison with a guy like Felix? Why don't we see, why don't more of them happen among mature believers here in our society? And I'm not sure of all the answers, but as nearly as I can discern it, poor old dumb Felix didn't know any better than to simply believe what he read in the Bible. (laughs) He'd never been to church outside prison, so he hadn't yet learned what our churches teach so effectively by our example, to doubt the Word of God. Now, if Felix's tenacious faith is dumb, hey, I want more of that. Please give me some more of that dumbness if that's what it takes. I don't I don't really believe that God loves Felix any more than he loves you or he has any less power for you than he showed to Felix. All he asks of you, whatever situation you're in right now, whatever fact you're facing, whether it's bigger than Platito's problem of being dead or maybe even not so big, but it really affects you, all he asks of us is the only thing that he asks Felix to do, simply
0: Thank you for listening today. I hope you were truly blessed. If you want more information about Testify It, please visit us at testifyit.com. That is T-E-S-T-I-F-Y-I-T.com. If you want more information about Peace Ministries, you can contact them at www.peaceministriesinc.com. Do you have a testimony to share? We would love to hear from you. Just go to testifyit.com and fill out our testimony form. You can find it at the bottom of any page on the website. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and truly want one, call out to Him today. Decide to give over your life, surrendering it to Him, and choose to follow Him. He has already paid the price for your sins with His death on the cross. He was raised on the third day and will give you everlasting life with Him. You will be born again, and He will place His Holy Spirit within you. Until next time, remember, you are loved by God, and He deeply desires a relationship with you.